0: since uh, I missed all the warning signs that were right there before me, and I burned out. And I've talked about this before when I've been speaking uh, at Pathway, uh, but it's something that is so relevant to my story and just intertwined so well uh, with the message that I wanted to share with you this morning. See, the reasons for me burning out, there, there was lots of reasons. They were numerous, and when I look back now, they were really obvious Um, But they weren't so obvious at the time. It felt like I just all of a sudden one day just plunked down in this really awful, awful spot. It was so frustrating. It felt hopeless. And honestly, I just felt stuck. This thing, this season, it, it affected my work. It affected my relationships. It affected my faith. And every single one of us, every person listening to my voice, right now, has their ups and downs. We all have our ups and downs. But this one, this one, this one really kicked my butt. It did. It felt like it was winning when I was in the middle of this. These feelings of despair, this hurt, this loneliness that, that felt overwhelming at times. I, I can remember moments right at the beginning of it, just sitting there in a house full of people that loved me, but feeling so incredibly alone. And you know what? I recognize that song that the band did at the beginning, Don't Stop Believing. I recognized that song before. I knew of that song before, and I, w- I would know what it is, but it certainly has a different meaning to me now. It certainly has a different meaning to me now. So you know I, Very recently, I read a bit of an article on that, the whole idea behind that song and the story behind that song, that song uh, Don't Stop Believing. How many people remember when it was released? It was June of 1981. This is an official age test, all right? Okay, so June of 1981. So I was about one at the time, and this song was released. And it's actually a little bit surprising because many of us know this song, but it's not like it was ever a number one hit. In fact, it topped out for one week. It made it to number nine. That's as high as it went. But you know what? With its catchy tune and its inspiring message, it's one of those songs that's kind of just seeped into the culture that we have, hasn't it? It's one of those songs, even if you don't like the band, you don't like the music, you don't like that whole era of music, if you don't like any of those things, you hear those words, don't stop believing, and you smile a little bit, don't you? You smile a little bit because that song has something. Do you know, the story of that song is really interesting. It's actually, this, this song was an idea from the keyboard player for Journey. His name is Jonathan Cain. And and it actually came from a conversation that Jonathan had with his dad. This was a few years before that. He wasn't even part of that band at this time, so we're talking in the 1970s. And he left his hometown of Chicago, and he left for the bright lights of L.A. He was a musician. He was following his dream. He was going to L.A. to catch his big break. And that's not what was happening. It wasn't going well. The dream was on life support he'd run out of money, and then nature's way of putting the cherry on top, his dog gets hit by a car, and he brings it to the vet. He has no way to pay the vet, so he had to call his dad, because that's what every kid does when they need money, right? You call your dad. So he has to call his dad, and he didn't want to do it. He'd already borrowed money from his dad, and he had loans with his dad. His dad had given him money, but he had to make this phone call, and he calls him, and part of the conversation is, dad, I think... Maybe it's time to stop chasing this dream. It's time to come back home to Chicago. Now, his dad's response changed his life, and it's the reason we know this song. His response was, no, 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 no. Don't come home. Stick to your guns, son. Don't stop believing. So you know what Jonathan did? He wrote down that idea, which right there, I'm reading the article, I'm like, are you kidding me? My kids won't even listen to me, never mind write anything down, right? I don't know what your experience is in parenting. In fact, just yesterday, I was downstairs at our kitchen table and I was doing a little project with Sawyer and I hear this smashing noise from upstairs. So it's clearly glass had fallen and broken. It was a vase that had fallen and broken and immediately I thought of Kayla because Kayla, she is my daughter and when she sees blood, even sometimes just on TV, just like bam, she faints. She passes out and so when she's up there by herself and there's glass everywhere. This is a bit of a dangerous situation. So immediately, I yell up, Kayla, don't touch anything. And she's like, okay. And I start walking towards the stairs. Dad, I cut myself. I'm like, oh, come on. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, we've been down this road before. So I lift her over the glass in her bedroom, walk her to the bathroom. I call Sawyer up, Sawyer, just watch your sister that she doesn't pass out. She's going to clean her cut out, and I was going to go clean it up before one of our many animals got into the glass, and uh, oh, that's another story, but um, (laughs) sad, sad tale, but uh, I'm picking up the glass. I picked up the second piece, and I hear, boom, she'd fallen. I go in, I look, and Sawyer's just like smiling at me. I'm like, dude, you were here to like protect her from this. He's like, oh. I'm like, oh. Anyways, my kids don't listen to anything I say. (laughs) Jonathan Cain's dad He was doing something right. Maybe Nate can figure it out and do a sermon series on it. But you know what? Jonathan took this song and he wrote the bones of this song. And soon after this band called Journey was looking for a keyboard player, he ended up being the guy. They needed a song for their album, which turned into one of their most famous and successful albums. And that turned out to be the first song on that album. They tweaked it a little bit, put it on there, Don't Stop Believing. And that's what I want to talk about this morning that we don't stop believing despite what we might be feeling. Because oftentimes those things are not the same. And before I go on and get into the meat of this, I want to ask a question. I don't expect an answer, but I hope you can ask yourself. What about you? Have you ever been in that moment, that moment before all the good things started happening? When you feel stuck, you feel like you don't have any hope. How many of us can identify with being in that position? And for me, it was burnout. Maybe for you, it's something different. Maybe it's a sudden health difficulty that is now a part of your life that you did not plan on. Maybe you got let go from a job. Maybe it's a death in the family. Could be any number of things. Maybe you really want to have a family, but infertility is a journey that you are on right now, and it hurts, it's hard. Maybe you're right in that place right now. Maybe you're really close to giving up Maybe you've been there before, but maybe maybe you're there today. And the thing is, when we're in these moments, it affects everything in our life. It affects our faith. That thing that we hope it doesn't affect, but it will affect our faith. And we're in a place that doesn't feel really hot right now. But we can remember the good times where we would show up to church, and we would sit down, and we would sing the songs, and then Pastor Nathan would come up here, and he would preach this message, and you're just like, this is incredible, this is exactly what I needed. Has anyone been in that place? That it just seems like everything's lining up. You're like, is is he like secretly reading my emails? Like, this is creepy, what's going on? But it's exactly what you needed to hear. And every song that's played on a Sunday morning, every song that you heard on the radio on the way in, it's just like, man, that is speaking to me. You pray and you don't know how to describe this to maybe some of your friends that are not yet Christians, but you actually feel like God is there with you. And the people around you are encouraging and refreshing. There are those moments, but what about when those moments end? When you show up to church and the sermon doesn't make sense. You're like, this is clearly for my spouse. It has nothing to do with me. This is kind of annoying though. And the songs just kind of drag on. You're like, is this over yet? When we pray halfway through, I don't know if you've ever done this. We're like, am I just talking to myself? Is this all just in my head? Here's what I'd say in those situations. Don't stop believing despite what you're feeling. Don't stop believing. I'm going to take you back to 1989 in this small hamlet called Downeyville. I don't know if you know where Downeyville is, kind of between Lindsay and Omimi area, and that's where I went to school at St. Luke's Catholic School. And in 1989, I was in grade four, and we had to do a project on a country in the world. And unfortunately, my group was right near the end of the line, so all the cool countries were gone. We didn't have uh, a country that we would have wanted to do. And uh, so we ended up doing a project on Switzerland. And you want to know what our reasoning was as grade fours? Our reasoning was that there was food that was part of this project. You're supposed to bring some food from that country. And someone in our group knew that Toblerone bars were made in Switzerland. So that was actually the deciding factor why we did that project. But we did, unfortunately, have to learn some more stuff about Switzerland. And they make good chocolate and Swiss cheese. We had to do some research, which... Research then was a little bit different than now. Um, No Google, no internet, nothing like that. You had to pray and hope that National Geographic had done something on Switzerland. And you're leafing through the pages of like Africa, 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 New Zealand, what? No Switzerland. You're looking through, you're like, what am I going to do? So then you go where you did not want to go. You have to go to the library and look at an encyclopedia. So for those of you under 30, I did not just mispronounce Wikipedia. Encyclopedia was this really big, thick book that had information. It was actually a series of books. And from what I remember, I think each book, at least the ones we had there, was like one letter. And like everything in that letter was like the printed internet of the time, so to speak. But everything was in that book. And we were very fortunate in our school. We had a newer set of encyclopedias. So the information was only about 13 years out of date. But we went in there, and we got... All this information on Switzerland. And you know what happened when I did that project? This is crazy. This is grade four. Still to this day, bucket list item for me, for travel, is to go to Switzerland. I was so completely in awe when I saw the landscapes of Switzerland. When I saw the mountains and when I saw the valleys. It was absolutely incredible. And it's not just the mountains and valleys. It's the contrast between them. And when you see pictures of Switzerland, like I literally don't watch a lot of reality TV. I will watch Amazing Race every year, just hoping they go to Switzerland. It's weird, but I just, I'm so fascinated with this country. But the thing is, the beauty is in both. The beauty is in the peaks. The beauty is in the valleys. And the mountains and valleys of Switzerland seem to fit really well into what I wanted to talk about today. Because there's ups and downs in our life, just like in the mountains. Mountains. The natural mountains, when we see them, there's a sense of majesty, there's this peace, there's this awe that you're in when you're in the mountains. But when we're in those high points of life, and we've really achieved something, we've really done it, we've done something really good, we've made it a bit, we've arrived, it's so encouraging, it's so exciting, it fuels us up for the next valley that's sure to come. And maybe for you, this might be, it might be a promotion at work. If you're in school, it might be a certain grade that you got or a team that you made. Um... There's so many different ways that we can see this happen in our life and absolutely, we're in church, let's talk about it, our faith. Those steps that we take in our faith, we have those moments. But if you've noticed, when you've looked at the mountains of Switzerland or other mountains, there's one other characteristic. There's so many good things about them. There's one other characteristic that's really important about the top of a mountain is that it's barren. There's very little growth and if you stay there, you will absolutely grow stagnant. See, on the other side of things are the valleys. And the valleys sometimes get a bad rap, but if you look at the valleys of Switzerland, they're absolutely beautiful. They're, they're completely full of activity, full of life, full of growth. And, and the same thing happens in our lives. It, in those valleys, that's where we like press on. We find out what we can do. We really get pushed against it but we can achieve amazing things, but it's because we were willing to go into that valley and move to the next peak. But where this becomes no fun is when we get stuck in the valley. When we get stuck, and that's what I'm going to talk about a lot of this morning. But when we get stuck in one of those down times of life, it can feel dark. It can feel lonely. It is not a place at all that you want to be in. Now, my story is, as I shared before and maybe you've heard before, includes that season of burnout and it was awful. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was awful, awful, awful. But if I had a way that I could magically erase that from my story, I wouldn't. And I was talking to someone about this just a few weeks so I wouldn't. Not for a second would I erase that because I see all the good that came from it. But it was awful when I was in the midst of it. Valleys can be really hard but they're worth it. To, um, they're worth it. Now it's usually not wise to um, speak on behalf of my wife when I'm up here, but uh, Nathan does it, so why not? So we're going (laughs) to... One of the ways that valleys in life, that valleys can be hard, but it's worth it, is childbirth. And we were very fortunate. I understand not everyone's story is like ours. Not everyone's story is as smooth as ours was, because all of the four children, though Carolyn went through lots of pain, and it probably felt like a pretty dark valley, At the end, there's this baby, and I don't think she would skip any of them. I think it was all pretty good. But there was one of the four that the problem was actually this guy. The problem was this guy, because I did something dumb, which is not really uncommon, but I did something dumb, and I went on this fairly highly intense diet while she was pregnant with Cooper. And uh, I just remember I had a really good day the day before Cooper was born. And by good day, I meant I barely ate anything. I didn't eat anything at all. So I'm like, this is a good day until I got woken up in the middle of the night. We have to go to the hospital right now. All right, we go to the hospital. And the nurses are like, oh, honey, do you want an epidural? And she's like, yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, so they call in the anesthesiologist, middle of the night, and, and needles and blood. I'm not like Kayla. I don't just like plop on the floor every time I see it. I'm usually okay with that. But when you haven't eaten in a while, You don't always feel so hot. I remember standing there holding Carolyn's hand, and the guy with the big needle, and the nurses are like, oh, it's okay, honey, like to her. But then it turned, because my knees got weak. I was down on one knee, and I'm like, I'm going to pass out. So then the nurses come to me, and they take care of me in this moment. And uh, the (laughs) anesthesiologist got very angry, said something about, he's a distraction, kicked me out of the room. Um... (laughs) the end of this story the epidural didn't work because of the distraction Uh, sorry the valley got a little deeper and uh, it got worse Um, so right before Cooper was born literally we're about to meet our second born son and it's one of those special moments that you share with your spouse and Carolyn looks up at me as I'm biting into a chocolate chip cookie and I was like oh man this is not going well but you know what deepest valleys was still worth it right yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> it was still worth it. <laughs> We're going to open the Bible right now, and this morning, um, if you have your Bibles with you, we'll have the verses up on the screen. We're going to look at the book of Mark, and Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible's broken up into Old Testament, everything before Jesus, New Testament, everything after. In the first four books, the Gospels are all about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the story we're going to read this morning, it's not really one story, it's two settings that we're going to read about. And the first one is very much one of those mountaintop experiences. Something that for three of the disciples would have been an incredible thing that they would never forget. But then in the second half of what I'm going to read, in the second half of chapter 9, we're going to read about a man who was in a valley that was very dark. And he definitely would have felt very stuck. So we'll start in chapter 9, verse 2, where it says, And after six days... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. This is kind of the inner circle of his disciples. And he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Picture being in their spot. This is already pretty incredible, right? This is pretty incredible, but every time there's something that's really incredible happening, we all have that friend, and if you don't, you're probably that friend that just has to say something off the top of their head, so uh, insert Peter. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Poor Peter gets a bad rap, right? Here's where things get real. Verse 7. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. So easy to read the Bible sometimes and just think, ah, it's just a story. Imagine being in that spot. Imagine being there, never mind the first part, when this cloud overshadows them, and this voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. If you heard and saw that happen, what would you do? Probably listen to him, right? It would probably be a really good idea. This voice, this must have been an incredible experience. And this is the setting that we're going to go into the second half of this. These three disciples have just seen something absolutely incredible. What they experienced that day was amazing. And they walked down the mountain. And as they walked down the mountain, soon enough they show, they show up at the bottom, and there's these crowds, and there's the disciples there, and there's these scribes that are arguing. And Jesus is like, what are you guys arguing about? And we'll pick it back up in uh, verse 17. It says, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams, and he grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. This isn't a good start for this man. And Jesus said to them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Again, we've been so fortunate. We've had our share of hospital trips. um, But none of our kids have had a disease like this or anything even remotely close. But I know that's not the story for some of you here. I know that's not your story. And I, I, I could only imagine but not fully feel what this man must have felt. Yes, there's mountains and there's valleys, but this man had been stuck in a valley for a long time. For those of you with kids, you know that when something is happening to your kid that hurts them, when they are sick, you will do anything to make it better. You will do anything. And that's where this man is. He's been stuck in this valley. It sounds like this boy has been with this for a long time, from childhood, it says. And he is just desperately asking Jesus, can you help me? And we'll continue. And I love how Jesus responds. And Jesus said to him, If you can, notice the exclamation mark. He's like, You clearly don't know who I am. See, the disciples that just came from the mountain, their perspective was probably a lot different now. They're like, Oh, he's going to be able to do something. It said a few verses earlier that, that spirit that was in this boy, he knew who Jesus was. But this man did not yet know who Jesus was. And Jesus is like, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And I love the father's response. I can relate so much to it. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I've been there. Where you believe, but you know there's a piece that doesn't. And I love the honesty of this man. This is, this is something alone that we could just learn so much from. Why try and hide things from God? Because you know that there's unbelief in there. And you know that he knows that you have unbelief in there. Just get it out there. I love his response. He knew he was face to face. This man was so desperate with him. That desperation. He was honest. He knew he was face to face with the man that was able to help him in this situation. Help pull him out of this valley. Verse 25. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. And this is where maybe you feel like you are today. There's maybe some people in here that feel like you're here. You went to your last hope. You know that that time where you, you have this like this just little glimmer of hope after no hope for a long time. And for that moment, the people around were like, he's dead. It was like Jesus killed this boy. He was sick, but now he's dead. But we look at the next verse. And it says, But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and the boy arose. The boy arose. Wow. What a ride. It's so easy to just read that story, but to put yourself in that father's shoes. Wow. Wow, what a story. Hope when you're stuck in a valley. Hope when you're stuck in a valley. It feels so elusive, but it is actually so wonderful. We all have the ups and downs. We have the mountains and the valleys in our life. And you know what? It's good. Those valleys are really good because they help us get stronger. They help us reach to a higher height. Maybe it's helping us reach to the point where God is going to use us in a bigger and better way. But they can be hard. There's a quote from uh, George Mueller, who is, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's a 19th century evangelist. Uh, This man directed an orphanage that over his tenure, while he was there, over 10,000 kids went through this. He also started 117 Christian schools this man knew something about a challenge. He knew something about a challenge, and his quote is this, if we desire our faith to be strengthened, we should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried, and therefore, through trial, be strengthened. Don't avoid the valleys. I'm going to read that one more time. We desire, If we desire our faith to be strengthened, we should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried, and therefore, through trial, be strengthened. Resistance is necessary if we're going to grow. It's not a bad thing. It becomes bad when we get stuck there. And that certainly doesn't make it easy. In light of this, I wanted to go over three lies that the enemy will tell us, three lies that we will believe often when we are stuck in a valley. Not the normal ups and downs of life, we're all going to have those. But when we're stuck, lie number one is I am the worst. I am the worst. And we might hear this from other people, but we'll hear it from a voice in our head. But what that really means is we believe that we are not worth it. We believe that we're not enough. We believe that nothing is going to change. We are just going to pace back and forth into the rut in this valley forever. We have lost sight of the beauty and the good parts of the valley and the peaks. We are just stuck. We don't think we're worth it. And it's at this point, oftentimes people can just accept that this is just my lot in life. Have you ever seen someone or have you ever been that person that is walking around a shell of who you once were? No spark, no joy, nothing, no life. Have you ever been in that place? But that's one of the lies that we are tempted to believe. The second one is I am alone. I am alone. And this is one, when I burnt out, I felt this one so strong. I can remember one night sitting there, despite being Again, in a house full of people that loved me, sitting there and being so incredibly alone. But that's not just a burnout thing. That's something when we are stuck in a valley, whatever that might be in your life, when we are stuck, we just feel like we're alone. We feel like nobody sees us. Nobody cares, not even God. And the third lie, that we're tempted to believe is that this is too big for God which seems ridiculous, but we don't all have those mountaintop experiences and maybe we've just lost sight of it. And this man even, he thought this, in this story in Mark, he's like, there was something in him that maybe thought this was too big for Jesus. But that's a lie that we can believe. But luckily there's another side to this. There's truths about how God sees us that will help us when we get stuck in those valleys. Number one is to believe in yourself. And this really means just to believe that you have value. And this isn't something in arrogance. This is saying that God made you. God made you and you are enough. And you are worth it. And you can get past this. You can get through this. Know that you were made by God. And there's someone in here that needs to hear this. That he loves you and he's proud of you how you are. We need to hear that when we are stuck in those valleys of life. The second one is we need to believe in other people and allow them into our life. This is so important. I know there was numerous people when I went through Burn that I was able to talk to, a friend that had recently gone through it and, and I was able to talk to my brothers but there was this couple in this church that were so encouraging to me. They were going through stuff too but they were so encouraging to me and I actually have a picture of a card they gave me a few weeks after all this started happening. There it is. Sorry things suck right now, right? They're really good with words. But you know what that card did for me? It made me chuckle a bit, but on the inside, which I did not take a picture of to show you, was some really encouraging words. Really encouraging words from good friends. I probably read that card, and I'm not lying. I probably read it about a thousand times. I read it over and over and over again, and that's why we need people in our life. That's why at Pathway we talk about community. We have life groups that are happening in just a few weeks. And we find community really important. It's not like we're trying to trick you into getting into a program or something, but it's so important. And there's going to be some weeks that maybe you're doing a study and you'll learn something that's really applicable to your life. And maybe there's going to be another time that there's a really fantastic snack. But there's going to be week after week as you deposit into that group of people, week after week after week, you spend a bit of time with them. You have small conversations. You live your life together. That's going to pay off. We need community in our life. And the last part of this and believing in others was something that I had never even thought of. I never would have done before, ever, ever. But at the time I worked for TELUS and, and when employees went through things like this, I was on stress leave. Um, there was this counseling service that you go to and it was all paid for and everything. And I remember phoning up this, it was a lady from Fredericton, an older lady from Fredericton and my conversations with her changed my life she gave me some tools that were incredible but you know what oftentimes we want to pull away when we're hurting we want to isolate ourselves because like we're embarrassed that you know we're actually stuck somewhere like nobody else has been but when I talked to this lady she helped me see things that I was completely blind to and if Carolyn or someone else would have told me I would have been like no you don't know what you're talking about But I remember this lady saying things to me like, hey, you're going too many directions at once. Hey, you don't sleep enough. Hey, you don't have anything for you. You have nothing to fill your tank, which was such a foreign thing to me. I'm trying to like balance all of these different things, kids and a family and a couple jobs and all this stuff. You're trying to balance. And it's like, no, you need to take care of you. See, that truth changed my life. But without someone else, without believing and trusting in someone else, I never would have got that. The third truth that counteracts those three lies is so that we need to believe in God, and we need to trust in God. And that sounds really cliche. If I can just say that, it sounds cliche, but it's true. We need to believe in who he is. We need to believe in his character. We need to believe in his reputation. In this book, there are hundreds of stories from Abraham to David to Daniel From Paul to Peter and so many others, there are thousands of verses that will build upon his character. You can just read one and be like, oh, God seems pretty good. But if you read one after the other, after the other, again, you're not gonna do this in a weekend. This is something over a lifetime. This is something that's part of your life. You will get to really understand and really believe and trust God on the inside of you. You'll be able to trust that he is powerful enough. And maybe more importantly, you'll be able to trust that He wants the best for you and that He loves you so incredibly much. It's so important, not just reading Scripture and being in community, but also when times are good, when you're on those mountaintops of life, write down the good things that are happening. Because when you are in the depths... When you are in an awful place and you don't see a way out, you don't think of the good things. But if we write them down and we go back and look at them, they can be such an encouragement to us just to remember who is the God that we serve. Who is he? You know, we're going to learn and we're going to grow and we're going to struggle through many different valleys. And I would like to encourage you to not stop believing despite what you are feeling. Fall is such a perfect time to hit the reset, the refresh button. If you have kids, all your routines are starting in just a couple weeks. If you don't have kids, there's still so much that changes. At work, summer schedules are done. Like everything is kind of built around this September launch, it feels like. What better time to evaluate your life and look at these things. And hey, on the bright side, four months from today... Christmas morning, so there's that too. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. I hope that you find uh, some of what I've said today really practical and helpful. I, I try and have some of that, but there's a truth here this morning from which all of that other stuff will flow out of, and that's it, that we need to believe in ourselves. We need to believe in the people around us, but most of all, we need to believe in, we need to trust God through all of it, through the ups through the downs because he's not intimidated by any of it and if we go into this relationship with God just like the father in Mark 9 where he actually says God I believe but there's unbelief in there help me help me with the unbelief help me with the unbelief we don't want to get stuck and you know what I've talked most of the morning about getting stuck in the valley we can get stuck on the mountaintops too See, the lies we believe there are I am the best, I don't need anyone, and I don't need God. I would encourage you not to get stuck on the mountain. A great example of this, uh, I was thinking about Jason. He's the worship director. He was leading worship and leading Don't Stop Believing this morning. But his story's a pretty cool one. I remember Jason playing at a youth group talent show. He's a couple years younger than me. So he was, he might have been, I don't know how old he was, 12 or 13 And I remember him and some of his friends go up and like the older girls in the youth group are like, oh, look, they're so cute. The little kids are up there. And they had their guitars and stuff. And I just remember a guitar with distortion and Jason for about six minutes screaming something about green cheese. That's all I remember. I I hope there's video footage somewhere, but I remember that. And you know what? After that, everyone cheered for him. And I'm assuming he felt like a million bucks. It felt like one of those mountaintop experiences. But he didn't stop there. He decided to work at it, right? Took him down in some valleys. And eventually, he was playing other places in Peterborough. And he was leading worship at our youth group. Soon, he was traveling around Ontario. But again, he could have stopped at any of these points. He could have got stuck at any of these points, but he didn't. And eventually, he was traveling all over North America you know what that's his story to tell there's so many ups and downs with that whole life and everything that went there but the thing is God has been able to use him so much because he didn't get stuck in the mountains and I would say if maybe there's someone listening to me right now and you don't really identify right now as being stuck in the valley but maybe you're stuck in a mountain maybe you're stuck you've arrived at a certain level maybe it's in your marriage maybe it's in your parenting maybe it's in your job maybe it's in your faith you look at any of those categories. You look back two years and you're in the exact same place. Just be careful. If it's been 10 years, if it's been 20 years, 30 years since you've taken a step of faith. You grew up in a Christian home and you grew up with all those things, but we haven't challenged ourselves to grow, I would say be careful. Because you know what? We get stuck on the mountain, the same thing will happen. We will not we will just stop believing despite what we're feeling. But if you've been stuck in the valley for too long. I hope that this message will bring you just that. It will bring you some hope. We live in a broken world, so nothing's going to be perfect, but you don't have to stay in the valley forever. You know what? The story I shared of my struggle with burnout, it was four years ago now. Um, If I'm being totally honest with you, I still struggle with that. My temptation is still to try and do everything. Try and do everything for everybody else. Try to do everything for myself. Try and Just go a million miles and not fuel my tank. This isn't me getting up here saying, hey guys, I figured this out. It's, hey guys, I found some tools that have helped me along the way. And I hope you can find that some of these tools will help you as well. When we get stuck in that spot, our default is to stop believing. Our default, when we're stuck, our default is to stop believing. But I want to encourage you this morning to believe in yourself, not because you're arrogant or think too much of yourself, but because God made you. He loves you. He has a plan for you and he's proud of you. And we need to believe in other people. Let other people in. When we don't, when we're just saying, no, I'll just do, I don't want to bother them. We'll just do it ourselves. But really, we're just saying, we don't need their help, but God created us to be with people. Let them in. But finally, we need to believe in and put our trust in God. There is no other entity in this universe that is more powerful And the other side of that coin that's so incredible, that there is no one that loves you more. So if you want to keep growing, I want to encourage you, don't stop believing. Can we pray? God, thank you for this morning. Father, I want to pray right now for those that feel like they're stuck. It can be a lonely time. It can be a time that maybe you have people around you, and maybe they don't. God, I pray that you would be with them, Father. I hope that some of this would be helpful for them, God. I pray that the people in this room and as part of this church would be able to surround them and help them take steps out of that valley. God, you've created the ups and the downs, the mountains and the valleys of Switzerland, but also of our lives. God, I pray that you would use us in the midst of wherever we are, God. Father, I pray that you would give hope where there's people that feel like they have no hope this morning, God. And Father, those that Maybe we've been stuck on a mountain and we don't even realize it. There's no bad intent there. We don't even realize that Fathers, they get ready to plunge into something that will help them grow further that they would know that you are with them. And Father, we just thank you now and we just say to you, we do believe, but there's pieces of us that don't. Please help us with our unbelief. And We thank you, God, for being there for us, for being faithful, for being consistent, for being who you are and for loving us so much. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next week.